0: Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.
1: All right, if you are ready for the Word of God, let me hear you say, I'm ready. Let's go. I am in a series I started two Sundays ago. It's called Weapons. And uh, first Sunday, we looked at the Weapon of what? Weakness. One person got it. That's great. That's great. I I work hard for that one person. I appreciate that. And uh, week two was the weapon of the word. So much better on week two. We looked at the weapon of our weaknesses in week one. We looked at the weapon of God's word in week two. And today we're going to continue in this series. Part three is the weapon of confidence. And I want to look at confidence But before we do, I want to read two foundational scriptures for this sermon series because I believe that we need weapons of warfare because we are in a spiritual war. And a spiritual war, it demands spiritual weapons. Every day of your life is a spiritual battle sometimes that battle manifests itself and it feels like it's a battle with somebody else or it's a battle with your own sanity or it's a battle in your own mind but the battle is a spiritual battle against a spiritual enemy and so this is what the bible says in 2 corinthians 10 verse 4 he says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary They have divine power to demolish strongholds. I want us to read that out loud together. Ready? Here we go. The weapons we fight with, on the contrary, They they have divine power, power from God, heavenly power to demolish strongholds. Then another foundational verse that we looked at. For the last two weeks, we'll read it again today, is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. This is inside the context of the armor of God. And he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So today, I want us to continue in this series, Weapons. Because God has given us some spiritual weapons that we can use to be victorious in this life. Today, I want to look at the weapon of confidence. I want to look at the spiritual weapon of confidence. And I don't know if you've ever thought about confidence this way. But confidence is a powerful weapon. Confidence is a powerful spiritual weapon. In fact, confidence is what separates the good from the great. Confidence is a state of mind. It is a state of mind that can lead you to victory or it can lead you to defeat. Think about it. You can take two freak athletes you could take two athletes that are absolute freaks. They have the same ability, same talent, same skills. One lacks confidence. The other is filled with confidence. Listen, every single time, the confident athlete is going to defeat the other every single time why because confidence is a weapon it is a powerful tool they believe in themselves they believe they will win it's a state of mind but where does that state of mind come from where is it supposed to come from and I want to jump into this before I do I'm going to pray would you bow your heads with me and let's pray father we thank you for your word today we pray that you would speak to us Speak to us, every one of us. God, customize this message by the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. God, that you would just penetrate our hearts and our minds today. God, that this would be for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Amen. Let's give a round of applause for Monty on the organ and Kelvin on the keys. Amazing men of God and anointed men of God. In the Old Testament, there was this promise That God gave to the Israelites. He gave this promise to Moses and the Israelites, and He promised them the promised land. He said, I promise that I'm going to deliver you from bondage, from slavery in Egypt, into the promised land. That was a promise. The promise came with some obstacles. If they were going to possess the promised land, if they were going to take over this territory, they were first going to have to conquer some cities. The first city of the cities was the city of Jericho. And the Bible says that Jericho had a wall built around it. And that was common in Bible times to have a wall built around your city to protect ...to make visibility impossible for the enemy... ...that they don't know what's on the other side. And this is crazy because Jericho had this massive wall around it. And Moses is thinking, man, if we're going to conquer Jericho... ...we're going to need to do some reconnaissance. We're going to need to find out what's on the other side of that wall. So Moses sends out 12 spies. This is where it gets super fascinating. He sends out 12 spies... To survey the land and out of the twelve spies they all come back with two different mentalities ten of them came back and said there's no way we can defeat these guys in fact I call it the grasshopper mentality because ten of them came back and they literally said we cannot defeat those guys they're giants we look like grasshoppers compared to them you know what's interesting nobody told them they looked like grasshoppers they told themselves they look like grasshoppers We can't do it. We're too little. We're too small. We don't have enough weapons. We don't have enough soldiers. We cannot win this battle. See, the grasshopper mentality is the mentality that says, I cannot do this. I do not believe in myself. I don't believe this is possible. I don't believe that God can do this. I'm not sure if he will. The grasshopper mentality, listen, Very important, is defeated before it ever gets started. See, a lot of people today have a grasshopper mentality. They have a grasshopper mentality. It's pessimistic. It's negative. It's already defeated. Those people are huge. Moses, those people are massive. They're giants. We can't do it. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. But two spies came back with what I like to call a God-size mentality. So it came back and they said, oh, we can do this. We can defeat those guys. They ain't all that. We can go in there and we can take them down. A God-size mentality is a positive Mentality. It is optimistic. It is a mentality that sees that God can do all things. It is a victorious mentality. It is a mentality that says, with God, all things are possible and we can do this. There are no limitations that with God we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Because, listen, state of mind is everything and perspective. Is everything, And the truth is, the way you see yourself has everything to do with the way you see the rest of the world. Let me take it a step further. The way you see yourself not only determines the way you see the world, but the way you see yourself. The way you view yourself reveals the way you view God it review it reveals how you re, how you view god perspective is everything perspective what do you think god can do see your perception about the world is really a reflection about yourself how i see myself is how i view the world and listen your confidence level it has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with who you are and everything to do with God and everything to do with who God is it's not about swagger it's about spiritual swagger it's about knowing that I am everything God made me to be and I can become everything God wants me to be listen you either believe that God is God or you don't you either believe that God can do it or you don't you are believe that God is the God of the impossible how many believe that today or you don't see when you believe that God is the God of the impossible the impossible is the limit that's the limit I'm confident of who God is. I'm confident of what God does. I'm confident in how God does it. I'm confident in when God does it. Listen, your confidence can take you into the promised land, or it can leave you locked up in your own prison. Now, the truth is, we all struggle with confidence. Everybody, even the seemingly like super confident people, struggle in areas of their life, With confidence, insecurities, fears. There's not a person alive who doesn't deal with insecurities. Not one person in the world that's ever lived who doesn't deal with insecurities. But listen, with that we have a choice. We have a choice that we can become a slave to our insecurities or we can become a slave to our Savior and what he says about us. Insecurities are a part of life, but they're incredibly destructive if you let them run your life. If you build your self-esteem on what you think you are, you will always have a low self-esteem. If you build your self-esteem on what you think you can do, you will always have a low self-esteem. Okay, Low self-esteem and insecurities are destructive and damaging. God wants you to be confident. Insecurities, they make you feel inferior. They make you feel fearful or jealous or doubtful. Listen, I'll say it this way insecurities, they cause relationship problems. They cause family problems, marriage problems. They cause problems in the workplace. But most of all, insecurities, they cause enormous amounts of damage to your own soul and your own spirit. Okay? Maybe today you're here and you feel like those ten spies. You're looking at those giants, and you're saying, man, I feel like a grasshopper compared to the giants in my life today. Impact Church, you know why I woke up this morning? I woke up this morning to give you the word of God, and so that God's word will infuse courage and boldness and confidence into your souls this morning. So I want to give you four reasons, four, maybe ten, but four is all I have written down. Why you can be confident in your in, in, in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're ready, I want you to look at your neighbor in the eye. Look at me right now, say, here we go. Here we go. Number one, why I can be confident in Christ. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes, is because I am, you are, God's creation. You're God's creation. We've about five amens. Missing about 1,495 amens. we had got about five of them. You're God's creation. Listen, God created you to be you. He created you exactly the way you look, the way you think, the way you process, your sense of humor or lack thereof, your personality, your emotions. God created every detail of you your body your soul and your spirit everything was created with precise intention and by the way God doesn't make mistakes I want to I want to do something Sam I need your help Jeff don't look at him I need your help too get up here Jeff get up here I need what's your name I need you Elijah come up here for a second Elijah come here come here um, I need you to come on up. I'll help you up. Jump up here. Jump up here. Come on, jump up. Jump up, jump up and get down. Yes, thank you for coming. Let me see. I'm gonna just if I pass you over, it's just cause I didn't like you, but I'm gonna just look for somebody else. Who do I want? Right here, right here. I, I need you, Gracie. Come on, come on, Gracie. Yeah, you can get up here. You're an athlete. You can get up there. Okay. This is a church full of athletes. Grace, you're good, and 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 so I've got a few people. Let me just see if I want anybody else. No, 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 no. It's a tough service. Last service is super easy, so, so okay, okay, okay. This is good. I'm going with my five right here, the big five. Okay, listen. So, so you got Sam over here. Sam, you looking fly as always, and and tell me your name. Elijah, okay, Elijah, you look good, Grace, you look good, okay, Jeff, Jeff, you looking like you barely fit in those, I mean, look at these thighs, dude, like, my gosh, you barely fit in it, you squeezing those, that's what I'm saying, man, you guys are crazy, crazy, okay, this is what I want to do, I want you to, to, to I'm going to start over here, Sam, Yes, sir. we got a black dude over here, he's, he's our brother, and, 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 and then we got a white dude right here, Okay, and then we got a blonde girl right here with blue eyes. And then what are you? I don't even know. Filipino. Filipino right here. Okay, Jeff, what, you got to be something. Half Japanese,
0: half Norwegian.
1: Half Japanese, half Norwegian. And then we got Sam. Filipino. Filipino. Okay, now, now, now listen, we're all different. But, but this is what's crazy about it, is that God says in Genesis 127, he says this, I've made man in my own image. Okay, listen, as a child resembles their parents, we resemble God. We are made, so somehow, Sam looked nothing like me. He's Filipino. I'm white Pino. I'm not Phil-a-nothing, right? Philosophical, but he's Filipino. We look nothing, Jeff, we look literally nothing alike. You're jacked, you're a bodybuilder. You get paid to look great. I don't get paid to look great. I don't body build. I build spiritual bodies. That's what I do. We're nothing alike. Okay. Okay. Say, so, and, and, and you. Here, She don't sound like, but she's, she raps. She raps. You guys want to hear her? You want to hear her rap? Got to lay it down. I wasn't expecting this at all. All right. Living cause I got a purpose. All the hard work is worth it. I don't have time for flirting. Even when my heart is hurting. hold up, I told you I gotta get it like this one. we pull up my whole click bad no controller.
0: And I-, <laughs> I heard you rap too, PT. I've heard you rap. I
1: rap the best Christmas presents of all my family. So We got, we got, we got, we got, we got this. This this is what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say because what the world tries to does, I can't even talk, but what the world tries to does is, is they try to pit us together. They try to pit us against each other. That's what the world, they say, say, you're different than him, so you shouldn't like them. You think different from them, so you shouldn't like them. There should be a big wall. You shouldn't do like, you should hate them. You should resent them. They did you dirty, so you shouldn't like them either. They don't look like you. They don't think like you. They don't talk like you, so you shouldn't like them. Listen, you know what I say to all the news media outlets? Here's what I say. I say, F CNN, F Fox News, F the media, F the social media, F the Whoever's trying to, and by F, y'all should know that I mean forgive them. That's what I mean. Forgive them. Let's give my props a round of applause. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Will you help the ladies down? Help the ladies down? So, ladies don't need no help down. They're athletes. They're athletes. Sam might need help down got two bodybuilders on three body four body but five all five bodybuilders I think I don't know it's the best looking church in the world I do know that it's good looking people they work hard they surgery hard they're good looking people you're God's creation it and this is what this is what this is Psalm 139 is like the coolest passage when it comes to you being a child of God, I, I want to read Psalm 139. This is what it says. He says, "You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb." Okay. You. you he says, "I thank you. You have made me wonderfully and complex. Your workmanship, God, is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in." Utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious, listen, how precious are your thoughts about me, God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. This passage speaks... Specifically to my wife and I, because when we got married, we found out that she had a female disease called endometriosis. And I don't know if any of you ladies have that, but if you do, we both feel for you in our heart and prayers go out to you because it is a living hell for a woman. It is incredibly painful. When we found out early on, the doctor told us that we should mentally prepare that we may not be able to have children. And so we immediately went to Psalm 139 and we printed it out and we put it on our wall in our house so that we could read every day. Listen, I I heard what the doctor said, but I'm going to listen to what God says because God is the giver of life. Doctor's not a giver of life. God is the giver of life. And God, you made Natalie's body fearfully and wonderfully. And you know everything about her body. You know what it responds to, what it reacts to, what's good for it. And so, God, we believe you're the giver of life. Not too long later, we got pregnant with Kylie, who is now 21 years old, healthy, plays college basketball. Few years, two year and a half years later, we had my son Josiah, who's 18, best looking person in the building, and um, and 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 probably the coolest person in the building. And he uh, he's eight. So we had our girl and we had our boy, and we said, We're good. Right? I'm good. So I went and saw uh, Dr. Chainsaw and he went ahead and <laughs> took care of the, the vasectomy and, and 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 that really gave me a compassion for women, because to go lay on a thing in a doctor's, I'd throw your legs up in holsters and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not enjoyable at all. And um, we got our boy and our girl, we felt so blessed. And then a few years after that, my wife was like, I feel like I want another baby. And I was like, uh, well, the, the only thing is, and so she was like, you know, we should adopt. So we, let's think about it and pray about it. And then a few years later, we got a call to our church that a mom was seven months pregnant and couldn't keep her baby. And two months later, we were in the delivery room watching our third baby be born. And she's 12. She's 12. And, uh, you know, God's the giver of life. You know, I know there's political views about abortion, but there's only one biblical view about o- abortion. God is the giver of life. Listen, your parents might have thought you were a mistake. I am preaching now. Because, because, because my mother had me at 16. That was not intentional. That she's not 15 going, I'd like to start a family now. No. No. Accident when it came to my mother and my father, not an accident when it came to God. God is the giver of life. God knew what he was doing. God knows what he was doing. Don't you think if you are fearfully and wonderfully created and you are made in the image of God, that you should be overflowing with confidence about who you are in your life? God made you that way. He made you exactly the way you are God knew you were going to be born before you were born. I love this other verse because it says that you're God's masterpiece. Listen to what it says, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He was created. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Masterpiece. I love that word. You know why? Because some of you don't think you're a Masterpiece. Some of you don't have that kind of confidence. You don't like yourself. You don't like the way you look. You don't like your personality. You are God's masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And you're created exactly the way he wanted you to be created. Masterpiece. Let's look at number two. The second reason you could be confident in Christ is because you're, you're incomparable. You, you cannot be con- Can you guys stop comparing yourselves to everybody else? You are one of a kind. There's never been anybody like you. There isn't anybody like you. And there will never be somebody just like you ever in the human race, in all of history, in all of the future. You are one of a kind. Look at somebody and tell them you're kind of like a collector's item. Come on, let somebody know. You're a collector's item. You're a collect, you are, you are one of one. I have a question, is anybody into NFTs? You've purchased an NFT, raise your hand, raise your hand. You got like a space monkey or like a hungry hippo or you got a, the value of an NFT is based on what the person buying it will pay, right? The value of an, uh, some of you are here, you've enjoyed Barrett Jackson, you bought a $900,000 car, congratulations. We're glad to have you today. You're going back home with your new one-of-one car from Barrett Jackson. Listen, when you're one-of-one, do you know how valuable that makes you? You're valuable. You're valuable. You are incomparable. You cannot be compared. Listen, stop comparing yourself to other people we just read we are God's masterpiece look at somebody and tell them he is he is talking to you come on tell somebody he is talking to you you are God's masterpiece there is not another like you I get it the struggle to compare is real like we compare ourselves in every possible way I compare myself To you, we compare our looks, we compare our relationships, we compare our marriages, we compare our material possessions, we compare our success, our earthly success, we compare our careers, our callings, everything. Social media, someone posts something and then we immediately start comparing and contrasting in our own life, in our own world. Listen, I want to say this about comparing. Comparing is a sin and it is a destructive, self-sabotaging habit. Because when you compare yourself to somebody else, you either think better about yourself or worse about yourself. Both are toxic. Both are destructive. When I compare myself to you, I say, man, I've kind of got it going on. Or I say, man, I don't measure up. Comparing is a trap. It is a sin trap. Listen, there is no habit in your life that you have that is more destructive than the habit of comparing. And it is a habit, and it can be broken. Listen, every time you compare yourself to somebody else, it's like cutting yourself and giving yourself a mental wound. See, some wounds and some scars in life are others inflicted but comparing is a self-inflicted wound it becomes a self-inflicting scar because man I'm looking at you and then I'm looking at me and then I'm looking at you and then I'm looking at me and I either see you as better or I see you as worse look what Paul said about this in second Corinthians chapter 10 he said we do not dare classify or compare ourselves. when they compare themselves they're not wise you know what I've noticed it seems like it seems like Very few people in this world are actually happy with themselves. Very few people. They're not happy with themselves. Listen, God made you to be you. Exactly, if you're not being yourself, then something that God created for this world is missing. So many times we try to be somebody else. We try to look like someone else. We try to sound like someone else. Comparing, it will limit Your life, it will become the lid of God's purpose for your life. Comparing almost kept me away from being a senior pastor. It did. Because I knew God was calling me. People would say, hey, you should do it, man. And I would look at the national landscape of senior pastors. I'd say, I am not that guy. I am not a senior pastor. It almost paralyzed me from God's purpose for my life. Because I look at the national scene, I say, man, I ain't no TD Jakes. I can't preach like that. I said, man, I ain't no Rick Warren. I can't teach like that. Man, I ain't no Joel Osteen. I'm not a flower cake like that. I can't preach with the sweetness of God. Can't preach in the sweetness of God. I got an edge. Like, I got to let that. I can't. I'm like the Kanye of preachers. Like, I got to lay it down. Like, I got an edge. I'm going to say things I shouldn't say. I'm going to think things I shouldn't think during the sermon. I don't know. And God said, that's why I need you to be a senior pastor, because I need you to be you. And God needs you to be you. So I can stop comparing. Now, I've taught this about a year ago, but I want to teach on this for a second, is that, is that there are two lies that the enemy throws at us, and there are two lies that we end up believing about our self-worth. Okay, here it is, A and B. Letter A, the first lie is, that we think we'll have more esteem or more confidence based on how I look. Amen. We do. We think that. Yeah. We think if I look better, I feel better. There's even, even a phrase. Look good, feel good. <laughs> you ever looked great and felt like crap? I have. <laughs> right? Or have you ever felt like crap? Felt like, have you looked bad and felt great? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Right? So, so, so here's the thing. When we think and tie our esteem to the way we look. Okay, let, let me tell you what the Bible says about this. It says this in Proverbs 31:30 30, that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. So you might be all sexy right now. There's gonna be a day you're like, man, I wish I was 20 again. And then you're gonna be doing like the rest of us: you'll be going to the Botox store and you're gonna be going to the. Struggle's real, I get it, man. It's, it's, a, it's a real deal. But when you tie, I'm not saying don't look good. I'm not saying don't try to look good. I'm saying examine your soul and figure out what the motive is of why you want to look good. What is the motive? What are you tying your esteem to? You know what I think? I think one Sunday we ought to have like a come as you are. Sunday. Like wake up, don't put makeup on, don't do your hair, stay in your jammies. And just come to church. We all going to love you anyway. How many of you would do that? Some of you would be like. Ain't no way I'm going out the door. No way. I don't even look at myself before I put makeup on. There's no way. Wouldn't that be liberating? We'll still love you. And the second thing. The lie that we buy. That we tie our esteem to. Is how I live. How I look and how I live. Right? I think that you think. That you'll think more of me if you think I live a certain way. So 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 the, the the way I live includes where I live, it includes what I live in, it includes what I drive, it includes what I wear, the, the way I live, the look at me, I have, I am somebody. I live in a gated community. My gated community has a living body at the entrance. It's a security guard. I have arrived. Right? I can assure you, listen, I don't live in a gated community. I don't live in a guard gated community. I do have locks on my home, but I can assure you, many of our church family and friends live in these gated, beautiful, gorgeous communities, guard gated. I just want you to know, I've never once thought, man, these people are amazing. They live in silver leaf. They're phenomenal. Never. Because whether you live in a cardboard box or whether you live in a 10,000 square foot home, you're the same to me and you're the same in God's eyes. He loves you anyways. And your esteem and your value comes in your relationship with God Almighty. Listen, everything else is just artificial ego boosters. It's just false securities. Have you noticed this, that there are plenty of really, really good looking people that don't like themselves. So our confidence can't come in how we look or how we live. Listen, here's the key is the closer you get to God, the more secure you will become it's about christ it's about a relationship the further you get from god the more insecure you'll be let me tell you another secret it's kind of a dark secret people who don't like themselves don't like other people either people that feel ugly on the inside They are the same people that convey ugliness to the outside. People, if you don't get along with yourself, you don't get along with anybody else. People who lack confidence in themselves, they also lack confidence in everybody else. Listen, the opinion that you have about yourself is the single most important opinion you have about any human being on this planet because it will drive Everything about your life. And if you feel ugly on the inside and convey ugliness on the outside, all that's going to do is push people away. When God wants us to be magnetic and pull people toward us. See, the devil knows. And he's got a target on your self-esteem. He's got a target on your confidence because he knows that if you don't like yourself, you'll never become everything God wants you to become. So we don't tie our esteem to our looks. We don't tie it to our lifestyle. Okay, let's look at number three. The third thing is that my confidence grows when I live my life to please God and not man. I don't know if you've ever met somebody that does not care what you think about them. Or what they do. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who's like, I could care less what you think about me. But I want you to know, you're, you're looking at someone just like that. I don't care what you think about me. I sincerely don't. I don't mean it as an ego thing because I'm not about me. I'm about Christ. I am doing with everything in me. The mission and the purpose of God for my life. I don't care what you think. I have this post on Instagram. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting post because it's a 58-second clip. And you may have seen the post on my page. but, 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 But the clip is about how God meets us in our darkest moments. And he does. God meets us in our darkest moments. When everybody else is walking out, you can count on God's walking in. He meets us in our darkest moment. And it's a 58-second clip, and that clip is its all about that. God's going to meet you no matter what you go through. He's going to meet you. And there are hundreds of comments below it. And some comment, it said, oh, here we go, another feel-good preacher. Now, let me just say, I don't care. I sincerely do not care what anybody thinks about how or what I preach. But let me say this. First of all, that is an idiot because they don't hear me preach a sermon. If you heard me preach one sermon, you would not write that comment because PT is not a feel-good preacher. I am going to give you the word, the way the word says it, whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not. Hey, listen, I just told you, abortion is not of God. I don't care what you think. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And I understand in a room this size with this many people watching online, there are people that have gone through an abortion. I want you guys to know this. Those of you that have had an abortion, I want you to know this, and I want you to hear this. Okay? That was a baby That God created, you made a mistake, but that baby's in good hands and went immediately into the arms of Jesus Christ. Immediately. What I'm trying to tell you is stop caring about what other people think. Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks about you. Live your life to please God, not man. Don't be a people pleaser, be a God pleaser. I I love this passage in 2 Kings. It's talking about Hezekiah. I don't want to read this to you, chapter 18. It says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He trusted in the Lord. It says, there was never another king like him in the land of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands that the Lord gave Moses. Then it says, so the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. How many of you, you'd like to be successful in life? I would. Anybody? You'd like to be successful. Now, success isn't like our worldly success, what we think of like, oh, yeah, I'll be successful if I have a great company and a lot of money in the bank, and I can retire and, 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 and live the last 20 years of my life slapping golf balls around. Yay, won't that be exciting? By the way, retirement is not even in the Bible. It's not even a Bible idea. That's an American systematic idea. It's not in the Bible. It's not like it was like, you know, well, Moses resigned from his position as leader of the Israel nation and spent the last 28 years of his life golfing at Jerusalem's finest golf club and resort. Like, retirement, because... Retirement is not a biblical concept because what God called you to do, he didn't, he didn't call you to be a, a doctor. He didn't call you to be a salesperson. He didn't call, he, those are things you do. Those are professions that you do that ultimately are supposed to be a weapon and a tool for the kingdom of God. That's your platform. Just like this one's mine, you have your platform. Okay. Now for those of you that are retired and I'm making you feel really bad about yourself right now. It's okay to retire. I'm just saying when you look at biblically success and what is success in God's eyes versus success in man's eyes, two radically different two rad- radically different perspectives. So success in man's eyes has nothing to do with success in God's eyes, but this is what it says here. It says that Hezekiah was 25 Twenty five and became king. But this is what it says. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. See, some of y'all are people pleasers. Now, let me just speak to it, because not all people pleasing is bad. It's about the motive. Why do I want to try to please everybody all the time? See, some people, they're people pleasers because they truly have the heart of Jesus Christ where they want to serve people. They want to make them feel happy. They want to bring them joy and love and encouragement. But other people are people pleasers because they're driven by their own insecurities. And so I'm trying to please you because I want you to like me. And that's dangerous. In fact, the Bible says it's dangerous. Proverbs 29, 25, he says, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. We have this verse. Let's read this one out loud together. It's dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust in the Lord, you are safe. let, let, Let me set you free today, Impact Family. There's only one person that you need to please. And that is Jesus Christ. And he's already pleased with you. One of the greatest things that feeds our insecurities is what other people think. Right? Like, I wonder what people think about me. I wonder what they think about me. I wonder what they think about what I just said. Man, I hope they don't. Man, I wonder what... Let me just set you free again. I'm here to set you free today. Is that you can stop worrying about what other people think about you Because they're not. They're thinking about themselves and about what you're thinking about them. (laughs) So you spend all this time worrying about what, and they're not, don't think you're so important that you're on their radar screen all the time. They're worried about what you and everybody else Are thinking about them. Maybe you've heard this statement. It's a great statement. That we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. How screwed up is humanity? So you don't have to worry about it. Live your life to please God, not man. This is the way I view my life personally. I fall short every day, but this is how I view it. If I live my life to please God. And my wife Natalie reaps the benefits because I want to be a man of character, and a man with a servant's heart, and a man that's faithful and loyal, and a man that's trustworthy, and a man that's a protector, and a man that's caring. So if I do that like I'm doing it for God, Natalie reaps the benefits, and we have a great marriage. If I parent. But I do it like I'm doing it for God. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a, a man who chases Jesus Christ. My children reap the benefit. I don't have to please them. I have to please him. And then because I'm pleasing him, it pleases them. How many know that to be true today? That we need to be a God pleaser. Let's look at number four. Number four. This is like the never-ending service. I apologize. BJ took forever. blame it on a special guest this one is this what takes it home this one is it this one could have been the only point today number four is that you can have confidence in Christ because you have the power of the Holy Spirit that is dwelling inside of you when you're prayed up and praised up you're powered up Power is an interesting thing because the Bible talks about something called dunamis power in the book of Acts. And the word dunamis is a Greek word that translates into our English word as dynamite. So we can have this dynamic like dynamite power in our lives and i can be confident in who i am because jesus dwells in this temple. i want to speak about temples. you guys you guys got time for this because i got to speak about temples for a minute. this is what the bible says about your your body. your body. okay? it says this in 1st corinthians 6:19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is in you, whom you've received from god? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. That was the cross at, of Jesus Christ and a Calvary. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Read the last sentence with me. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Read it one more time. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Ask yourself this question. The lives that you live, the things you do, the places you go, The environments that you're in. Are those pleasing to the Holy Spirit who dwells within you? The things that you see, the things that you listen to. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you got to make some hard decisions that cut off those fleshly desires so that our bodies are pleasing to God. Our bodies are pleasing to God. It's the temple of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the temple. He lives in here. If I can't take the temple somewhere in life that I knew God would not be happy with, then I should not take that temple there. It's the temple of God. See, in the Old Testament, you read about the temples or the tabernacles. Those were geographical locations and for a while the first temple it was mobile and you had the Israelites moving in in in, in harmony and unity with the 10 commandments and the tabernacle was pop it up wherever we want to have church and make an altar and then you get towards the later times and we the, the temple of Solomon was built by the way they raised more money for the temple of Solomon the church that Solomon built Back in the day, in Bible times, 4,000 years ago, than any church has ever raised in the history of fundraising for church. They weren't playing around. It's the temple of God. It had precision about every detail. Every detail. Every detail about the temple of God was described in the Bible. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it should be like. This is what's going to happen in that area. This is what's going to happen. In the New Testament, the temple became your body your body that's the temple so what temple what church are you showing the world what temple do they see does that look like the church of almighty God so listen this is the reason I bring this up because confidence is directly tied to the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within the temple. I don't have to draw from external sources to build my esteem. I draw from the internal source, Jesus Christ, to build my esteem. Confidence. This is what it says in Romans eight eleven. It says, The Spirit of God, who is raised from the dead, lives in you. The Spirit of God, who was raised from the dead, lives in you. And I just want to close with this final story because... I think it says it perfectly. Do you remember the story when Jesus was being taken away to be crucified? They found him in the Garden of Gethsemane. They arrested him. They took him away. And some people saw one of his disciples, Peter. And they go, that's Peter. He's with him. And they go over to Peter and they go, Peter, aren't you with Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter's like, man, I don't know that dude. You got the wrong guy. You you sure you're looking for Peter? Because Pete, there's another one over there. He goes by Pete. (laughs) I'm not the Peter you look. I don't know that man. Why did he say that? Fear. I don't want to die. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to be murdered. I'm afraid. I'm not with that man. That's what fear does, it makes you hide. I'm not with that man. Jesus is crucified. Then he rises again from the dead in the power of the resurrection. Then Jesus goes, and the Bible says he appears to all of his disciples, including over 500 people. And he goes to his disciples, and he said, remember, in the Gospels, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he said, I baptize you with water, but somebody's coming who's going to baptize you with fire. And he's talking about Jesus. And now in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, he appears to 120 people, and he tells them this. He says, do not leave. He said, I'm leaving. I'm about to send up into heaven right now. But do not leave here until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Do not leave. And then in the book of Acts chapter 2, listen, this is crazy. In the book of Acts chapter 2, it says 120 people. They're all together. They're all in one accord, in one mind. They're all in unity. They're all praising. They're all praying. And then the Bible says what looked like distributed tongues of fire, like everybody had a flame above their head. Remember? I baptize with water, but one's coming who's going to baptize you with fire. And now they're in their upper room, and they're waiting, and they're praising. Jesus said, don't leave until you receive the gift of the Father They didn't even know what the gift was. So they're just waiting. We ain't supposed to be getting a gift, Sam. We're getting some sort of gift. I don't know what the gift is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Father, you're good. Waiting on that gift. And then the Bible says the Spirit of God, like a rushing, roaring, mighty wind, comes through. And they all get baptized in the Spirit of God of God, in the fire of God and they start speaking in other tongues and languages that weren't their own. It's morning time like 9 a.m. and people are walking by going, what are they doing? They must be drunk. They sound crazy. Peter. Same Peter from a few days before. Same dude, but different dude. He's now baptized with fire and the spirit and the power of God and he stands up And in Acts chapter 2, I call it the first Pentecostal sermon. And he preaches. And he said, we're not drunk like you guys are saying we're drunk. He says it's only 9 a.m. Isn't that a funny statement? Like I could see your point if it was 9 p.m., but it's 9 a.m. We're not drunk. And he said, now this is what was prophesied by the prophets long ago. This is what was prophesied. That would happen. This was already foretold that this day would come. And then Peter stands and he boldly preaches the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says right there on that day that 5,000 men were added to the Christian church all in one moment. What changed? It's the same Peter, but it's a different Peter. It's the same body, but it's a different body. It's the same mind. It's just a different mindset. See, God wants us to be full of confidence. And when you invite Jesus in as your Lord and Savior, you now have a new new fire within you. A confidence that God has given you. A confidence that will change your life forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. As God, your word is always challenging. It's supposed to be. It's convicting. It's supposed to be. We're thankful that you challenge and convict us and push us into deeper waters with you. We're thankful, God, that you call us out of the old cesspools of life that we were in. And you call us into the river of life of God. We're thankful, God, that you don't want us just to go ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep or even shoulder-deep, but God, you want us to jump headfirst into the river of God. God, today I pray that you would infuse and instill a confidence, a courage within us from the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us all to pray, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want you to pray this out loud, and just repeat these words with me. Dear Jesus... Come on, let's say it together. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Help me to bear my cross. Thank you for dying for me. Teach me to live for you. Thank you for your grace and mercy and your unconditional love. Thank you for your word and its power. Today, God, that you would change me. Thank you for challenging me. And instill a confidence in me that comes from you, Jesus Christ. God, we love you today and we're thankful for everything that you're doing in us and everything that you're doing for us and everything that you're doing through us. Today, I pray for your anointing on every life here every life listening i pray for your favor god i pray for unfair favor god to be showered down from heaven onto everybody's life today i pray that your anointing as the bible says it breaks it destroys the yokes of bondage god that you would break those yokes that you would break those yokes those strongholds of bondage in our life God, that you would set us free because the Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. Because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because the Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. Today, God, we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. We put our joy in you. Our future in you. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause for his goodness today.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.